0: This is a a special sort of filthy Armenian adventure which takes place in New York on the second leg of my two-leg New York, two double New York trips this summer when I returned from overseas and from uh, from a lot of emotional tribulations over there. And I met up old friend of the FAA universe, Harry Tafoya. Sometimes known as Hamptons, Harry, sometimes known as Laguna Tafoya, a man you met in This Week on Laguna Beach when we memorialized Eve Babbitt's. And Harry decided that he wanted to show me, or discover for himself, the Whitney Museum's Biennale, which happens once every two years, as we discussed. I wasn't quite sure what Biennale is. Because there's always that buy confusion, you know. Anytime the buy shows up, any kind of buy, people get confused. And so I met Harry. Um, we walked to the on a on a very pleasant summer day in New York. And I was in a bit of an emotionally, you know, I think you might recall an emotionally, what's the word? Uh, uncertain condition. And we were going to see how, how, how the art would affect this. And uh, it appeared that my condition was not dissimilar from the sort of condition in which Harry Tafoya became art-pilled himself as a man in his early 20s. He is now in his mid-20s. And so he walked to the Whitney Museum, in the meatpacking district of New York and we entered and I got myself a press pass and we entered into a giant elevator where there was a, where there was a black woman, um, in the elevator. What happened with the black woman? Do you recall?
1: I just remember her being like very, um, self-deprecating about being at the museum in the first place.
0: In the manner of like, because it was a giant elevator. It should be mentioned. This is the biggest elevator I've ever been in. It's like a. It was like,
1: a, yeah, it was like an apartment.
0: It's an entire New York apartment size elevator.
1: Yeah, um, I think it was just like she was like kind of you. You were being very grandiose about like, uh, <laughs> um, oh the Whitney Biennial, oh the Whitney Biennial, and then he's it like, it's not that big of a deal, <laughs> right? What she was saying
0: she she totally yeah she 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 bought my act you know because i of course was being grandiose in a somewhat cheeky manner given that my respect for the contemporary art scene is less than reverent you know and um but i was excited because i i i was ready to you know as i've always told you and as i've always done on this on these filthy armenian adventures i am i am willing to abandon old prejudices. And I'm, I'm willing to, I am willing to take, I am willing to take what people are able to give and see if it leaves a mark on me. And I'm not going to be defensive and I'm not going to cling to, to prior takes or to prior um, postures. I am perfectly willing to be, you know, tickled, uh, punched, gut punched, uh, had my, have my hair yanked from behind, choked, um, smacked anything by any sign of life or invention or beauty that anyone is willing to surprise me with. And that is the spirit in which we rose to the eighth floor and began a tour of the permanent collection of the Whitney at the eighth floor, which had some very interesting surprises for me, um familiar, both familiar and unfamiliar. and and then worked our way down from the private private collection. To the actual biennial, biennial, biennial. biennial what is? It? How do you pronounce it?
1: Biennial.
0: Biennial. And we toured the biennial, and there was one or two things in the biennial. There was really one that actually spoke, um, and and then from there we walked over to this very cute park, right over the Hudson. What's the name of that park?
2: Little Island
0: little island and it was on little island that you know we, we we approved of little island and we'll get to little island when we get to little island but i'm just sort of giving the overall uh, i remember on our on our way back from little island when they closed little island at 4 p.m a very japanese-like sort of i remember r- comparing it to a sort of mario land um in in you know, kind of set up with little green bubbles of grass kind of rising and you walk around and you try to find a place to sit, but there are lots of Asians and other peoples also there. So it's a pretty rushed experience. And then of course, the man came announcing from the bridge that leads to Little Island, the man came screaming, it's closing time, get back, get back, get back. Come on, come on, come on. And I remember remarking at the pride with which such people in New York, um, these the, these sorts of town criers of New York, scream their announcements. They're not just they're not just punching a clock. They're not just uh, it's not just a day at the office for them. They feel like they are truly hurting the citizens of this city for the better good of their safety um, and for the for the safety of New York. And I felt a certain 9-11-ness to it all. I felt like ever since 9-11, the pride in the city's keepers at the very bottom level has been noticeable. I remember the same thing when I went to the top of the Empire State Building shortly after 9-11 and the guy who's, you know, herding everyone through the, up the elevator and opening the elevator doors and ushering them out and saying, Behold, the greatest city in the world and uh, every time i see someone you know even if it's just a janitor on the street there was this one latino janitor maybe peruvian maybe puerto rican long ago who who once kind of you know flirtatiously older gentleman flirtatiously commented as i was walking by um in some uh, some similarly patriotic manner in new york and there is a, there is this There is a civic uh, pulse to these people in these particular jobs that I have noticed ever since 9-11, which is really, that was the first time I'd gone to New York, and for real. So these are the elements. And then from there, we walked over to a cafe, and we sat down, and we unpacked the, we kind of had a, a, you know, a summa of what we had witnessed at the biennial, and we discussed also your own, personal pathway into art as a young man of in your mid-20s who rose at a time when art is far from, uh, you know, this kind of fine art is far from a an obvious occupation or, or far from an obvious uh, hub of action uh, in the psyche and the zeitgeist of the culture. And that was our day. And we had so many interesting observations, asides, personal revelations, quips, zingers, one might even say takes. But for some reason, the audio of all of this was lost, whether by divine intervention or by corporeal retardation on my part, I think because the battery ran out while we still, before I press stop, it was all lost. This is the first adventure that has been lost, the first masterpiece destroyed in the Museum of FAA. But instead of crying over a torn canvas, we have decided to repaint it from memory and make this forgery even better than the original. Are you with me, Harry Tfoya? Yeah. Thank you for that resounding, um, exclamation.
1: that resounding. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I hope you're, I hope, I hope it's as resounding to you as it, as it sounds to me in my ear, because I heard you say that. <laughs> I heard you say that. Yeah. The way I heard there's, the,
1: there's, there's lots of pep to my, to my ass.
0: Right. Uh, I heard it. I heard it in the same manner. I heard the guy screaming that the, uh, that the bridge is closing and we all have to get the fuck out of little island. Um, I heard it in the same manner, and I know it's late over there in New York City where you live. You're a Brooklynite. I've heard rumors.
1: Don't don't remind me, please.
0: You're a bushwhacker, or what is it? Is it in Dumbo? Are you a Dumbo or a bushwhack? Bushwhacker.
1: Bushwhacker. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm. I'm a bushwhacker. Um, Not a proud one. Not a proud one, though. I have to say, I I I have quite a bit of uh, self-deprecation about my. area of, of address. And of that's residence.
0: why, that's why one has to overcompensate for that self-deprecation by, by such monikers as Hamptons Harry, mm-hmm. which is a much much more celebratory way of describing yourself and where you dwell.
1: Oh, infinitely, infinitely. Yes. So yeah, I, I live in the kind of spectral Hamptons.
0: Totally. And, and, and as we've discussed, you know, your, your origins in Newport beach, California are, in a manner, the the Hamptons of the West. Not quite. Maybe we have to go to Monterey or to Carmel for the Hamptons of the West. It's not even accurate, but it's it's in the same it's in the same let's uh, on the same planet. Let's just say. Well, um, sure. So you know, Laguna Tafoya is not the worst. <laughs> it's not the worst facsimile of Hamptons, Harry. Um, but what I'm going to need you to do, despite your fatigue, despite your self deprecation, yes. is is yes. T- try your best to relive the Whitney Biennial and the Whitney Permanent Collection with me tonight so that let's we can uh... present as forgery. So we we are in we are in the elevator we are rising to floor number 8. The kindly self-deprecating much like Harry himself black lady presses the button and lets us out into the floor. The first thing we see or at least the first thing I have taken a picture of on my phone and then we'll get to your thoughts on any other thing you want to talk about that you see in your mind's eye on that floor. But the first thing at least that I saw is this abstract, abstract painting. Um, You would have to be the one to visually describe it, but I will simply say that it is by Ed Clark in 1959 and it is called Winter Bitch Acrylic on Canvas.
3: yes can
1: you it's um a kind of dirty white background you know probably just kind of kind of dirty because of like the imperfections of you know smudging all the rest of the paint around on top of it and we have um some pretty um like kind of frosty textures on this it looks like frosting um and ed clark's kind of invention as a painter was that he painted with brooms on his canvas so you have like these kind of big swashes and swoops of um of brushstrokes basically but it's not really brushstroke it's broom strokes um so you see kind of very prominently placed black broom strokes you see um what looks like him tossing paint onto different parts of the canvas and you have this kind of um, really nice kind of black and blue mixture. Um, you have kind of like a I guess kind of granity color. And then in the left hand corner of the canvas, you have um what I think are just kind of like pools of color. You have a kind of pink, um dark blue and orange that are very kind of comp is it complementary? I don't know what the word is for this. complimentary so that, yeah coloration, but it it looks nice that regardless.
0: It is a painting which has certain associations for me personally because, despite being abstract, you divine very clearly in its in in these broom strokes, as you so um, po- poignantly describe it, because it is a witch. It's a witch. The image of a witch in winter, um, against a white backdrop, you very clearly see the witch's hat. You very clearly see the witch's you know body, the witch's uh, uh, whatever robe, whatever. And there is a mysterious, of course, an un, you know, undirectly identifiable broomstroke kind of uh, horizontally extending from her ear out into the end of the canvas, um, but it is a witch. It is clearly a witch with a white uh, moose-like face in in this abstract appearance, and and and. I personally, I was drawn to this because I could, because despite being abstract, it depicts a very obvious force. I mean, not obvious, so obvious sounds bad. I mean, like a, a palpable force, the force of bitchcraft, as he put it. He called it winter bitch, because he is a black painter. This should be note, noted, right? To, consistent with the woman inside the elevator, he is a black artist. Um, and. He is from New Orleans. And he died in Detroit just two years ago. Three years ago, uh, at Clark. And it reminds me of a painting I made when I was five or six years old, where I would in which I had my fa my sort of abstract phase. Um, and I had a certain fascination, particularly with the kind of very uh burnt, very very oppressed, but Resisting orange that one sees on the left here on the bottom left that you describe, like a, this and i and I had a, and I had a certain I used it in a manner I think it was against more blue. It wasn't against black, but I used it as a kind of broomstroke myself. And I remember that of the two paintings I've ever done, the two paintings I remember that I made, that's one of them. Um, and and so it brought associations with me and So my question to you is what is your, you know, I think you agreed that this is a good one.
1: And do you have anything to say? Yeah, I mean, I think that, um, I don't know. I mean, I don't really know what to do with the title so much. But I mean, the kind of associations that I get with the title, like Winter Bitch, um, I mean, it reminds me of jazz. It reminds me of like Miles Davis Bitches Brew. Bitches Brew. Um, So my tendency is actually to think about it in a more um gestural way right so like you're trying to account for the action that he's doing as a painter and i kind of tend to think of like i like having like the kind of synesthesia of like oh it's like painting and music are kind of very linked together for me Mm -hmm. um so i like to kind of think about like if this is a musical progression like how do you kind of account for the movements that he's making in the space of this canvas, um, which does become a little bit more rhythmic to me, it does become a little bit more violent and staccato in some parts, um, and lyrical in other passages. But yeah, I think what it all adds up to though is like this really, I don't know. I mean, it's 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 pretty stark. It's pretty, um, I don't know, totemic. But you know, it has like these really kind of lovely accents of color that kind of go with it. Um, yeah, I don't know what the kind of specific feeling it, it, it really like kind of stirs in me. Um, but I do love it though. It, I mean, I could look at it forever.
0: And it does. And that's all that matters, isn't it? It's a, all that matters about anything is whether you love it and even better. If you can look at it forever because that's enough to wife it up at that point, that's enough totally. to marry the winter bitch. If you love her. And if you can look at her forever and nothing else, no other questions need be asked. I guess you want to, you want to know how much room she takes up on your wall. That, that would matter. But given the walls you have and can afford, but.
1: I need more walls.
0: You need more walls.
1: We all need more, I walls. Deserve more walls. I need more I need, walls. I need to bust out of like this uh, Bushwick prison and get more walls, wall space.
0: Are, is it, are there opportunities for wall space to a man of your position and station in life in New York?
1: Well, you know, if I kind of get into sugaring or something, that might give me kind of more of an option. You know, that's always a a, a good kind of way of jumping classes and uh, acquiring more wall space.
0: I heard Larry Gogoshin's getting pretty old.
1: And he actually um, is dating a painter who's uh, my age.
0: But is a she? Sadly,
1: it is a she. Yeah, is a she
0: he is an. I, I. I. Rumor has it he is an incorruptible heterosexual.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I wouldn't want him to be anything but an incorruptible heterosexual. You a know,
0: corruptly want... incorruptible heterosexual, rumor
1: has it. I mean, I feel like kind of, you know, forgive me, but I, I feel like kind of gay Armenians, kind of a contradiction in terms.
0: I believe you're correct. I mean, I believe there is a I believe there is a certain inherent, um, you know, I've always, I've often said that. Yeah, Armenians in general are a very. um Pretty heterosexual overall, you know, on the grants, like in terms of like the distribution within Armenians, but as a people, as a people, we are like the, we're basically the, the faggots of the world in a sense, like Mm -hmm. we're a very gay, gay in the context of being a people. We, there's no, there's no natural reason, reason we should still exist. On the surface, like we should have been like, you know, we should have never made it through any, any of these evolutionary phases, yet we are still here and we go back quite a while and you find us everywhere, kind of like find us everywhere and it doesn't make any sense. So there must be uh, some sort of mysterious reason, there must be some sort of mysterious purpose that we are serving on this earth, much like the homosexual. Um, Also, our behavior. Say that again.
1: I was going to say that Yerevan and also the two, maybe, um, uh, little Armenia are like your fire Island.
0: Right. And then of the, course, I am the, the fire the, Island and Castro, the king of that fire Island. I am the, uh, the flamer <laughs> of, I am the the key. I am the central flame. I'm the blue. Yeah. I'm the blue in the flame of the fire Island. That is little Armenia in Hollywood, United States of America, California. And, <laughs> and the people, and as a people in general, we're sort of, you know, we're, we're loud, we're we're very camp, one might say. Very camp. It's almost it's almost to the point that I don't even want to use that comparison because it's too close to home. It's like we're so we're 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 very overtly poetic in speech, in the way we talk to ourselves and to other people. We're um we're extremely performative. Um and in another sense, we're also we're also very private. It's a kind of this, it's this weird dichotomy. Um, And, and that's kind of the, you know, the sensibility is, is, it's, you have to really kind of, you have to squint your eyes to find, to find the universal genius that may exist among us. You know what I mean? Sure. But you don't have to squint your nose to smell the flavors we have to offer the world that's the important thing.
1: <laughs> so, so yeah your, your particular savory smells
0: yeah i can go on for hours about you know notes on armenian camp but let's move on to another painting um i don't see any, the, on this current my current screen of things i don't see my next the next one that i had photographed in person so i will ask you to just comment on anything here that that well, what is you the, what recall is the pe- say that again
1: What's the painting that you that you have I
0: don't even know what it's called it's it's like the big I mean first of all based on what you see on the screen is there anything There's an EE e. Cummings painting here Is there Noise number 13 by EE e. Cummings Let
1: me look It's so like
0: that. a bouquet it's like it's almost like a deconstruction of a bouquet uh, scroll down it's just right below the George O'Keeffe on the 3rd the third uh, row, third from the left, third row on the screen right
1: now. Oh, wow. Wow, I never saw that. What's that oh. all about? I don't remember seeing this one, actually. I
0: don't remember seeing it either. I would have noticed E.E. E. Cummings.
1: Yeah, that's a trip. Wow, I mean, it looks pretty good. That's cool. I... It looks yeah. Art Deco. It looks very art deco. It looks very art deco, but also very um art nouveau too, just for like how I don't know, organic and funky it is.
0: I can't believe I got it right. Yeah. I said art deco accurately. Yay. Yeah. So or, or yeah, it has that element too. It's it's well, that's why I initially said deconstruction of a of a bouquet. Or or I guess art deco is the opposite of deconstruction. It's like
1: over construction or oh yeah like florid and yeah
0: yeah it's 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 the exaggerate it's the it's the maximalization of the essential form right in a Mm -hmm. sense so it's actually a very pretty i would i would hang this on my wall even if it was a small wall and i would not have much room on it i would hang noise number 13 by ee cummings 1925 um anything else you see here on this initial screen that either rings a bell from our, from our reactions or should
1: ring a bell? I mean, just on the same row. Oh, well, I mean, further up on this page is, uh, no, 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 I want to talk about Jada, Jada, Feo, the Rose. Remember this one,
0: the Rose, we're not, I'm not seeing it. Um,
1: On the same row as the E Cummings. Oh, same row. Mm -hmm.
0: There's the, I don't see it. I see street scene. I see white horses. We have, we must have a different uh, layout, but let me see if I find it anywhere.
1: Why are they doing this to us?
0: I don't know. They're trying to find every, there's a, there is a conspiracy to fuck us up, obviously, with this. There
1: there really is, by the way.
0: I don't see it. The row. I'm
1: just going to do artist A to Z. Um, Well, describe
0: it. Describe it in. I'll, I'll look well, it up on a separate page.
1: Yeah. Um, Jay DeFeo's The Rose is a giant, I guess you could kind of describe it as like a, a painting made out of concrete. Do you remember this?
0: Yes. I remember now that you say it. A painting made out of concrete. It was very, it's very black and gray, right?
1: It's black and gray. It's 1,500 pounds in total weight. And it kind of builds around a kind of um, central. See it now, yeah. For, well, it's on floor seven, remember, so
0: I don't know what your your thing is. Is that this is on floor seven, not floor eight?
1: Is it not? So, I mean, is it not the same floor? No, it's the same floor. It says it's floor the seven floor. On like it's, for me. It's, it's, in the, it's in the same room. Okay, I remember. It's okay, I'm looking room. at it now. It's a
0: very. So it's a it's a painting. It looks like it look the rose. Now the the element of the rose here is that it looks like you're looking deep into a sun a, a kind of a sun like a sunflower like design. And it in the center it's very bright white. And then as it goes out and it's various um, you know as it shoots out its beams. It is it's not a sunflower of course, but you know what I mean. It's like it's got all these. It's like shooting out its beams from the center. And it gets more and more concrete as it goes along, like it's a like you're almost on a co- cobblestone at some point by the end of the by by the outside sing its yeah. praises sing its praises
1: no i mean i just i just love it for um this thing of um i mean i don't know i i love titles and art just because I like the kind of challenge of like kind of squaring what the thing is in front of you with um what your brain tells you language means um and I like the kind of mystery and riddle of like trying to like look at this I don't even know if you can call it a painting necessarily I mean it's, it's so sculptural and like how it's kind of built out um it has really great texture to it it's very very chunky um but yeah I mean I mean you you can see a rose in the midst of it um but it's also a rose that like is um seemingly existing in some pretty gnarly difficult conditions you know it's a trampled rose it's a trampled rose or it's a rose in a wasteland of some kind it's um yeah i mean it's it's very desolate and very beautiful and i think it's um i don't know it's it's a trip i I mean I, i this is the kind of thing that i really like to look at because um yeah i mean it really gives you kind of carte blanche but like fuck man it's a rose
0: it's a rose and it's a but it's a rose that it's an op, it's a post it's a really post apocalyptic rose. It's first of all the painting the the work, I don't even know if you can call it a painting, is extremely heavy. It looks like an actual like stone wall, not to be confused with stone wall, but st- a stony like a huge like a bank, like a like it's like a concrete, it's like a chunk of the Berlin Wall. It's really heavy, right? I mean, we saw it in person.
1: Yeah, it's it's 1,500 pounds. 1,500 pounds.
0: That's like the weight of three e-girls.
1: <laughs> and <laughs>
0: like, uh, so hold on, I have to, now I'm lost. 3
1: and thin, fat e-girls.
0: Yeah, baby. Um, Where the, f- God damn it. Um, hold on, I have to get back to the Whitney. The other one, the other window. Now I'm going to just isolate these two. And
1: let's um, put it all in alphabetical order.
0: Fuck. Now I have to hold on. I have to go back because it, it, it got all fucked up. It got all fucked up. Um, oh no, it's back. Okay.
3: Ooh.
0: Okay, I'm just going to X out everything else and go back <laughs> to this and have my segment. All right, now we're back to floor eight. Anything else you see here on this first? Before I click next.
1: Oh, um, I don't know. Georgia O'Keeffe. We, we have
0: two Georgia O'Keeffe's. We have three Georgia O'Keefes. Okay. We have we have um, black and white. We have flower abstraction, which looks like the inside of a you know, a, like a a real you know. A real kind of underground vaginal railroad going on there, and we have music pink and blue number two. Do you see what I'm talking about, or are you co- okay? Any thoughts on on Miss O'Keefe? Because you asked me about George O'Keefe, and unfortunately, I had no associations with her besides the Joan Didion essay.
1: Yeah, I was wondering if like the Joan Didion essay had prompted you to look at her stuff before, because like, I mean. I don't know. That's one of my favorite essays by Didion because I do think it is um, pretty starry-eyed for her. You know, I think this is somebody who, like, she recognizes as having like um, a dimension of herself that, like, she. I don't know. I feel like Didion and 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 O'Keefe. She, she sees a lot of herself in O'Keefe, um, maybe even an ideal form of herself in O'Keefe, um, and the way that she kind of lived and constructed her life. But, I mean, the paintings themselves, I think, are fantastic, you know? I think it's, um, you know, I, I don't really, I know, like, you're supposed to like, look for the vaginas and shit. I don't really kind of do that so much. I don't look um, for
0: vaginas. I just see them. I've n- you, yeah. As you know, I'm not the kind of person who goes out hunting for vaginas. Really? No, I just you? see them. I, I don't go hunting. <laughs> not for vaginas i when I see them I see them that's all if I see them I see yeah. them no they do you know there's often a confusion because uh like these vaginal designs are often seen now most often seen now not on actual vaginas where which are never ever ever um on display anymore but Rather, in the foam, the kind of cappuccino foam things the baristas do, they kind of all look like little like onion type of like onion vagina hearts. You know what I mean? So that's the only time <laughs> you, you ever see them. Con-
1: are you talking about the the, the paintings? Or are you talking about contemporary vaginas?
0: Everything. I'm just saying contemporary vaginas, nobody ever <laughs> sees them. So it doesn't matter. I don't even know what that is anymore. Nobody sees vaginas anymore. They don't see them on TV. <laughs> they don't see them anywhere. They don't see them in real life. They're, they're, remember, they're, they're, they're more abstract than Giorgio O'Keeffe's flower abstraction.
1: Well, I was so gonna say, like, I, I remember in um AP art history, I didn't take the test, but, um you know, part of that kind of test that was like, you have to, they give you a work of art and you have to identify where it's from and when it's from, even where it's from, I think actually, but the kind of big giveaway that this one teacher said for me was like, you could tell it's from the 1970s if, if you look for the vagina. And um, yeah, I mean, th- this is proto that. Um, because I've always been tickled by that. that but, I mean, but I mean, like, yeah, I, I mean, I don't really look for the vagina first thing off. I kind of get lost in the texture and the movement again with this. Um, you know, another painting that we saw on that same floor is the mountain, um, which is, I don't know. I I think it does have that kind of same flow that she has, like with all of her, um, all of her paintings, right? That kind of same drift, that same kind of shape cohering around itself. But um, I don't know, it it seems like really masculine actually. It's a really kind of interesting way of depicting this landscape. Uh, Yeah.
0: It's, there is a severity. Well, there's also, you know, you can also make the same music pink and blue number two I'm not going to say it looks like a vagina necessarily, but it does look like a vagina and it looks like a a hole. Huh?
1: I see a hood.
0: I see the hood. I see the clit. Um, I see, you know, you can also look at it as an eye, but then Mm -hmm. you can look at a lot of things as eyes when they're really just vaginas, but they, but it has, but this, that too is like the, it's almost like the, it looks more like a flower than the flower abstraction. It's more like a concrete flower where the pet, like the, the layers, the layers are subtly indicated on the perimeter. Do you know what I mean?
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. You
0: see like the petals, a petal, the, the layer of each petal is sort of indicated and it's a blue, pink, blue, pink, white type of color scheme. Um, and it's, it's sort of, it's hypnotizing. If you actually kind of, there's so many layers, you can kind of, you can kind of, kind of get in this, you can trip on it a little bit.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I think that this is actually kind of, I don't know, to to do the kind of Didion O'Keefe thing. Like one thing that I actually do quite like about O'Keeffe's work as well is like, um, or maybe, maybe one of the things that, um, you know, Didion doesn't have that O'Keefe does is like a kind of psychedelia to it where like you could actually kind of dissociate looking at the, colors and i think that maybe didion kind of keeps things in very um i don't know in very intense relief with everything it's, it's very kind of like black and white um and very stark but i think that there's i don't know a lushness here uh yeah i don't know what i'm saying right now there's a
0: lushness and um you know it may all of this actually makes me realize that i you know we i think we're in a place artistically tell me if i'm wrong in this supposition but it feels like we're kind of in this place where we have this nostalgia for the avant-garde because we know that there is no more there will never be an avant-garde again like there is the avant-garde hit the back wall hit its hit the hit the truman show ceiling at some point you can you can kind of place the marker wherever you will and whatever, but it 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 sure doesn't feel like there are more territories to explore in visual art than were hit by these modernists, and and that and I feel like that might be an anxiety of an anxiety that cripples contemporary art. What do you think of this piping hot take?
1: I mean, I think that the Whitney is a really interesting place to like think about that idea um, because if you look at like the kind of longer history of American art America is unlike France or the UK or Italy because it doesn't have um, an indigenous art form that goes back centuries right like we don't have a coliseum in America we don't have um, you know any of that kind of stuff we don't have like um, Notre Dame we don't have you know any of that um, so I think the kind of inferiority complex that America has always had has been about, I don't know, art has never really been our cup of tea. We don't really have the kind of national American art. And I think that the Whitney is a really interesting museum because like it's founded and its, it's purpose is to make a space for American art. Um, it just uh, that happened and coincided with modernism um And modernism was a kind of break with the old to reinvent the world in all different kinds of new ways. Um, but modernism, eventually, I don't know, wears itself a, a bit too thin. And um I think that the kind of over focus on like the kind of formal stuff, right? So like um, depicting, I don't know, like like a cubist, like depicting the back of the head and the front. Um, those ideas were thin and America's kind of, you know, hooked itself to that. And I think that the kind of stagnation of that, and I think that the kind of stagnation of a place like the Whitney is trying to articulate where art could go. Um, And I think that the way that the Whitney articulates where art can go, it has to be like into purely conceptual stuff. Um, so like it's really interesting to kind of compare like how fantastic the upper floors are where it is just like a survey of modern American art, um, you know, and going downstairs then to the biennial and looking at like this absolutely pretentious crap. Um, this absolutely, you know, you can't enjoy it. Um, it is just purely um, I don't know.
0: Well, before we get down there to the biennial, there's still some there were still some standouts from the upper floor. Floor number eight. Um, floor number eight and number seven, I guess, are both are the two permanent collection floors. Yes, and permanent collection. Before I click away from here, I do want to note the interest there are two more here on this initial screen. One of them, just a the title of the artist, Ben Ben. The first Ben is with one end. The second Ben is with two N. And this is just reminding me of the absolute glut of Glens and Glens. Glens with two ends and Glens with one N all over our world right now. I don't know why that just stuck out to me. And if the painting is called Cowboy and Horse, I don't know if it means anything to me, but it has a certain uh, mystique to it. Um, cool. Yeah. 1917. Ben, Ben. Mm, mm, lots of ends. It's almost like we need a certain... Emancipation of a Ugh, certain word that no. begins no,
1: no. <laughs> okay,
0: <laughs> I don't know. Ben Ben seems like it's just crying for something, but similar to Ben Ben, uh, or in that same vein, Carl Newman has a painting called Untitled Bathers, and I nineteen seventeen, and I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong. There was a painting. There was a painting in that on that floor that caused me to say, "Caused me to say, Garden of Civil Rights Delights." Is this that painting? Um, Do you remember?
1: <laughs> I don't think this is the one.
0: That's not the Garden of Civil Rights Delights. Well, maybe no. this could be called the Garden of Sunny Delights because I figured I think maybe an improved. <laughs>
1: An improved version um, of the
0: Garden of Civil Rights Delights would be the Garden of Sunny Delights. But anyway, okay, anything to say about the untitled bathers or not really?
1: <laughs> the Garden of Civil Rights Delights. Um, no, I uh, I mean, it's a beautiful painting. It looks great. I don't really remember that one. What about Hopper?
0: Well, let's get to Hopper, my man. Everyone knows. Yeah. Nobody knows because I haven't talked about Hopper in my life. But I was delighted. I clicked next. And I don't see any fucking Hoppers, I'll tell you that. But I see one. I see one. Okay, I see a woman in the sun. Um I'll tell you one thing. I'm a, so Hopper is my personal. this is a very basic bitch opinion, of course. But Hopper is my personal favorite uh, American painter just because that's the he's the one that I've encountered where I've liked every single thing he's done. And he has a he you know, his influence on Hitchcock is well documented. His influence on Hemingway is well documented. I mean, you know, night the Nighthawks in the diner is basic. Is, is is almost like it's almost like the story the kill the killers is a dramatization of that. It, it, this Hemingway story, The Killers, is a dramatization of his famous Nighthawks in the Diner. But I like so many of his paintings and there are so many of them that seem like they're directly speaking to me. There's one that was he did in Pacific Palisades where I went to high school and we talked a lot about him. So on this page, I'm going to scroll down and see the first topper we are offered is um oh there's some other stuff here that we talked about but let's 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 talk about let's talk about before we get to hopper just cuz i see it and i don't think there's it's going to be repeated let's talk about edward ruche's or ruska's Ruchet, Ruchet, edward Ruchet. large trademark with eight spotlights 20th century fox uh It's a 20th, it's a very vertical painting with the 20th century fox kind of being projected out by the spotlights in red. And I asked you about this at the the museum. What did you tell me when I asked you to, you know,
1: explicate it for me? I think I just told you about pop art. You did. What did you tell me about pop art? Oh God, Um, well, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna do, okay. Well, two things. Um, number one, Barrett is like ed Roucher fan number one. Mm. So he's he's really your guy for being like for really knowing Roucher in particular. Um But like that that entire floor though, with like do you remember like the, the cigarettes? The cigarettes the are right holding?
0: now. I'm looking at the cigarettes right now. There's literally yeah, it, like, it was a it was a uh, lived, it was like a big giant kind of uh, paper Plush. mache. What is it?
1: Plush looking.
0: Yeah. Like almost like they're like kids toys. Um, yeah. Cigarettes and kind of butt- butts in a, in an ashtray. This is a big conceptual uh, display. That's by Claes Oldenburg.
1: It's he called- also recently died.
0: Right. And, and, Notably, it's called the piece is called "Giant Fag Ends, nineteen sixty seven. Yeah, the
1: fag end of a cigarette, or the fag end of a fag cigarette butts. They're cigarette um,
0: butts, yeah. But they also it could it could definitely be have been seen as a prophecy of a of the AIDS crisis. Um, I mean, if sure. you're you know, I'm mean, without being too. I mean, it's a little on the nose, I know, but still, it's like it's these are completely wasted. These are completely, this is
1: 1967.
0: I know I'm saying prophecy for a reason because it's ahead of its time. But if this came out in 1987, it would be, it would have been probably heralded as a brilliant metaphor of the pile of corpses wrought by AIDS. What do you think? Well, so, okay, compare that Rouché to the Oldenburgs. Oldenburg, Oldenburg is doing something himself. It's Rouché is doing a logo of 20th century Fox in a manner that evokes the power of bold advertising, especially as it conquers the American city sky. Yes.
1: Um, I, I think it's even more simple than that, that I just think that it's um, isolating the kind of, flamboyance and cartoonishness of that logo, right? Like like the total grandiosity of the 20th century Fox logo. Um and it's isolating it for its um (coughs) excuse me. Um how do I say this without sounding like an asshole? Formal qualities, right? You're looking at it because it's got um I'm trying to yeah. Be an Um, asshole.
0: This is an asshole free environment. I mean asshole
1: No 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 but but,
0: but it's,
1: it's isolating it um, it's making you kind of look at the formal parts that are making up this logo right it, it's making you kind of see all of the kind of formal choices that went into the making of this logo and like also the kind of grandiosity that kind of imbues in it too right right it, Well, the gra- that,
0: yeah go ahead
1: well and I think that the thing that we're, we're kind of links up with the Clay Oldenburg is that it it also kind of is um, real life, real world kind of made into a cartoon as well. Right. So pop art is looking at the world all around you and really emphasizing, you know, whether it's Roy Lichtenstein, literally painting comic strips or Andy Warhol or Ed Ruscha or Clay Oldenburg, it's like different kinds of strategies that like heightening and, um, I don't know, beefing up the kind of formal formal um, qualities of the world around you at the time and to make you kind of look at them and go, huh?
3: These are the forms
0: that are constructing my culture. Is that yeah. a part of it?
1: Yeah, that's making up your world
0: making up my world. And there is an art deck to me. There's an art deco-ness to this is, is that, I mean, it's not art deco, but I'm saying that I, I see it in the way like the.
1: Oh, totally. Maybe, I yeah. See it.
0: Okay, good. I, yeah. Anytime you can disprove me being stupid is good. And, and actually, <laughs> you know, the, the title itself gives up, gives the game away. Cause the title of the, of the piece is large trademark with eight spotlights. It's almost like a Norm McDonald weekend update punchline. You know, it's like,
1: Yeah. Just
0: announcing it's exactly what it's.
1: What exactly what it is.
0: What it is. Yeah. As it's its
1: 20th Century Fox. And it looks
0: beautiful, by the way. I mean, to me, if you had, it, it looks, if you were a kid growing up in a communist country, as my parents were, this, the appearance of this in real life, you know, real life version of this, or even the artwork would have been. Such a symbol of freedom. And I know this because my mother will never forget when she escaped, when their parents, when they, when they all, when they escaped Bulgaria, communist Bulgaria in 1960, in her case, I think it was 65. Um, they passed through, they spent six months on their en route to America. They spent six months in Beirut. And at the time, especially, but even now, Beirut is this. You Know absolute, uh, absolute, um, just, just feast of sights, sounds, images, smells, foods, everything. It's it's like it's got everything, and it's the, uh, the, the polar opposite of a deprived communist country, you know, at any time. And the thing she can never forget, other than the smell of bananas and the smell which she'd never known, and roast chicken everywhere, was the sight of a Marlboro man billboard. That was her. That he Marlboro man was her uh, ambassador introduction to freedom and and so I, I i'm I can tell you with 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 a hundred percent certainty that the appearance of this would have been an absolute dazzling like psychedelic experience for such a person,
1: oh yeah, and, and I mean like when people say like when people on Twitter are, are annoying and talking about like the CIA funding. Mm -hmm. um abstract expressionism or pop art it's like well yeah it's because like it actually does have a totemic quality that is um i don't know is america i mean i think there's also like a comment and a criticism there too right that like everything becomes thingified and maybe even commercialized but you know it's also grandiose and you know I mean I love it. Like I I, I love like the, the, the kind of grandeur of this stuff. It's a it's, joke, but not really. It's yeah. It makes me happy.
0: It makes it, it, it it's a really important line to not cross, which is the line of it's a if it if it is a joke, and I'm as you know, I'm very tolerant. I'm very open to jokes. Like I'm that's kind of my that's kind of my bag, right? Like generally, like I, I don't, I don't believe that making a joke is a uh, is a disavowal of seriousness or meaning. This is an American, a largely kind of puritanical uh, curse in American culture, where which fa- which which causes people to dismiss jokes, jokesters, and comedic things as unserious and. Uh, to el- over elevate the humorless as serious. This has been a oh l-
1: yeah, it, it's a cosmic rift in um, having to take shit seriously.
0: It's a major yeah exactly, and it's a major problem in American culture, which is not the case even in British culture, where jokes are venerated as serious. And in European culture, it's a, a uniquely American puritanical fucking problem. And so I'm I'm very I love jokes of all kinds. But and I don't believe that they did. They they are a renunciation of seriousness, and so it's. But but there are of course always, there are there are clownish gestures which do disavow seriousness. This is all created by the dilemma that I just described. I think this this like this thing where people are you know even, I mean even in even in, you know, people aren't allowed to ever embrace something sincerely without kind of being self deprecating about it like dime square for example you know like this thing like the neighborhood that we were uh uh we were in the in my first trip to new york this summer uh doing a lot of uh analysis of uh, there's everything that you do anything that happens you have to kind of be a little bit self-deprecating because otherwise you're taking it too seriously you don't want to be seen as too serious but then if you're doing a joke about something and you actually mean what you say, you kind of have to overcompensate with the joke. So you have plausible deniability. And I find all these little manners of trickery to be tiresome. And we, we, it, it, it it just creates problems all the time. So this definitely does seem to hit the sweet spot where joke. It may be beauty. It nonetheless
3: has. And. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I'm okay with it. I like it. Twentieth Century Fox. Da, 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 da. I don't know if that's their fucking so what is it? What's the what's their their anthem? I think um, like
1: that's what it is.
0: Yeah. Da da, da 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 Welcome to America. And next to so and next to this, next to the next to the giant fag ends hmm. is the sign to me of the ultimate you know what to me is like okay if i can do make this on fucking canva in 5 seconds type of thing it is simply a it's it's called on kawara and it's simply july 4 1967 in white letters characters against a gray backdrop and that's it and it's a smallish it was small in person too 1967 by on kawara and of course i pointed this out and you kind of you know, justified it or something to me. How did you justify it?
1: Oh, God, I can't remember. I don't like Angora very much, honestly. Is this
0: this a Japanese painter or?
1: He's a Japanese painter. I'm not sure if he's Japanese American or not. Um, But he would make a painstaking version of each of those paintings corresponding to um, location he would like it would be like 5.26pm New York you know midnight Beirut midnight Sydney Australia Um, and I can't remember yeah I, I, it was just like a kind of like business of repeating that over and over again he's a conceptual artist I think more than a pop artist um, and I don't I don't know I feel like early conceptual art kind of like bugs me because like, it's just so, I don't know. Just, just, um, lazy ideas are there. The ideas are there, but it just seems like chilly and not very aesthetic and not very pleasing, you know?
0: Well, yeah. Um, and so is that your red line that unlike the 20th century Fox, kind of expose of the logo form form for of the forms of the logo. This simply fails to pass the aesthetically the pleasure, the pleasure test. There's a, is there a pleasure test
1: for me there is. Yeah. Well, I mean like, you know, if I can get the idea that you're trying to express and you're able to make me feel the idea, I'll be on board with it. Um, I mean, I guess this is kind of about like the passing of time. I guess it's about, being a global citizen i guess it's about things like that you know you could kind of build on top of that and if you can i don't know if you want to if you want to pull that thread i guess you could but it just kind of comes off to me as chilly and um i don't know a little bit uh yeah it's it's not it's not it's really not my thing
0: it is not your thing
1: it's not my thing. Well, it's not my thing either.
0: It's, well, I mean, it's the easiest thing to make fun of. So that's why I always have to stop myself and say, "All right, don't make the stupid obvious." You know, any any NPC can come, can look at this and be like, "Oh, that's art." And so I don't want to be they're the, not you know, wrong, though. Huh?
1: You know, like, they're not wrong though. No, they're so, not wrong.
0: So. I mean, I agree with them, but it's also I, I don't want to be the idiot. I don't want to say something that's the easiest, most obvious thing to say until I have consulted with Hamptons Harry. So that Uh given, given Hampton's Harry, his chance or given filthy Mormon Barrett, his chance to make a case for this fishy concept. And, and I would be more likely, and this is pure, you know, I mean, this is pure, um, uh, kind of almost ad hominem or not ad hominem. What the fuck am I talking about? Uh, what's the one that's appeal to authority? Um, you know, that phrase appeal to authority. I don't remember what the fuck it is, but it's a pure like if, if, if this is, if Edward Hopper or if a real artist put out something like this, you know, as a provocation, then I would be more likely to pay attention because I know that he's, you know, this is a serious person who has something who, who he's trying to say something. If, it, if David Lynch, you know, puts out a movie that's just a screen that says July 4, 1967 on it. You know, I'm 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 going to be more, um I'm going to be I'm going to have greater patience for that because I'm going to I have this goodwill granted. But if all this motherfucker does is put out dates and and times and names and you know and cities, it sounds like he had a good scam working.
1: Um, so I want to be generous and I want to be like hesitant just for now because like. I don't know his work very well apart from these paintings. I don't really love the work itself, though. I mean, this is somebody who's very interested in time these date paintings. I know like he like did lots of um lots of work that was like about time and history and stuff um but you know, I can't really get past like. Okay, you have an idea about this. There's like no, um. You you have you, that. I don't know. You can't really put your arms around the idea. It doesn't feel very um, welcoming. Welcoming or inviting to the imagination. You're like, okay, well, that's the thing you did.
0: Right. It, it sort of stops right there. It's like it stops at you. it stops at the title. It stops at the. There's nothing more to. There's nothing more to kind of dig into basically. Sure. Oh, I get it. Yeah. Ha-ha. Okay. I get it. Ooh, it's a grace. It's great. July 4, 1967.
3: Um, um, is,
1: I, I, I do want to bring up one thing though, and th- th- this is unrelated to Kawara, but it does relate back to Oldenburg. Um, When Oldenburg died, I think he died like last year or maybe this year. Um, He has like another sculpture that's, um, it's not cigarettes. It, it, it's a burger. And mm-hmm. apparently, he and his assistant fucked in the bun, between the buns. And uh, this detail has haunted me ever since I heard that detail.
0: That's beautiful. Where is that painting?
1: Isn't that lovely. It's a sculpture. Um, is it a man?
0: Or, was his assistant a man or a woman?
1: Uh, Clay Sodenberg, the guy who did the fag end.
0: Oh, the fag the, ends.
1: The cigarettes. But apparently, yeah. he. Buck between the buns of this uh, hamburger sculpture he made.
0: Was it a fag end situation or heterosexual? Is what I'm asking.
1: The heterosexual situation.
0: Oh, okay. I, that's what I was simply. I was simply asking the question of
1: The actual deviancy.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, that's good. I like that. I like that detail.
1: That's nice.
0: It's kind of like the imprint, you know. It's kind of it. Probably he probably was trying to give it a certain imprint, you know, the way that like they people say when they see the shroud of Turin. Um. Um. Yeah,
1: you a, see like the ass cheeks and. Um, yeah, you see the imprint. See, and, yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: You see that? Yeah, exactly. It's 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 pretty Christ-like. Um. Now, in the same vein as you just described, is this some sort of thing? Is there's right, <coughs> right below it. We have Jasper Johns, a famous artist. Is he still
1: oh, alive? So he is alive, actually.
0: No shit. So he's... There is a painted bronze. It's called Painted Bronze, and it's two cans of... What the hell is it? Two cans of old beer. Let me click on it here. Pardon the sound of the clicks. It says Ballantine XXX Ale. Two, like, antique it's not, this isn't pop art in the sense of Warhol. This is far more stylized. This is very tarnished, couple cans onto, on a, on a kind of little mantelpiece that's also tarnished or also bronzed or whatever. I don't know. Describe this shit.
1: Well, he also, um, he also kept Warhol out of the art world in a funny way. Like he really, um, Jasper Johns and Rauschenberg um very much like scoffed at warhol's entire deal um this i don't really know what it is but i'm looking at honestly i have to confess i just like don't i have not like looked at jasper johns enough to be like that have a definitive take I, it, it kind of leaves me cold a lot of his work um i mean just looking at this it looks kind of like Rauschenberg. maybe um where you have like ready made objects that you're turning into a sculpture. I mean, in this case, it looks like it's a beer can you made out of bronze. Um, and maybe you like put bronze on top of a beer can. I don't know how that works. Um, it's cool, I guess. I don't really know what to say apart from that, though. Okay, I don't really know what it's, what it's meant to do. I don't know what you it's know. meant to do either. I mean, it's fun, I guess. Beer's, beer's cool pro beer
0: are you be- there is a you know i will say that those old cans of beer not the new cans of beer but like that old style can of beer that looks like a it has a more of a pillar feel to it you know it looks like it could be dog food type of can of dog food you know mm-hmm. um i have always had a fondness for those cans because you know, i only see them in movies you never see them in real life anymore and so yeah it always kind of brings me back to like a gas station in a 1970s movie or a 1960s movie.
1: Mm, Yeah, sure.
0: And, and that's nice. So, you know, thank you, Jasper Johns for that. Um, Okay. There's other thing before we get, again, now that we talked about him, let's talk about Andy Warhol who has a very um, Hebraic situation going on to the left. It's called before and after four. And it is a, it is a, the before, is a woman with a Jewish nose and the after is a woman after her nose job. Same woman is black and white sketch type. Describe it better than I did, I guess 1962 before and after four by Andy Warhol. Um,
1: <laughs> uh, so I think this is, this is very early Warhol. Um, I think this is probably The same year, if not, maybe a year later than the time that he first started doing dollar bills. Um, but he was working at this time as a, um, freelance illustrator for fashion magazines. Um, and he was somebody who had like a full kind of awareness of the kind of imagery you would see kind of like, I don't know, (laughs) um, put up in newspapers, put up in advertising. Um, and this is a kind of early attempt at like kind of capturing it where you have a more ethnic nose on the left and then like a kind of like regular ass ski jump nose to the right. Um, but yeah, I mean, it has like that kind of same pop art thing where it's like, you can't really see a trace of his hand necessarily. You see what's gonna become Warhol's like real signature which is like the um, the replication thing, right? Dwight. It's 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 factory line. It's it's you know something you see all around you. Um, I'm sure if you like looked up at uh, looked up at it real close, you could probably see like his hand working a little bit more so. But it's a very impersonal style. It's like done in that kind of very standard comic style that you would like kind of see in a newspaper or an advertisement in the 1960s.
0: It's a good nose job.
1: It's a like, good nose job. I, but, no. but I mean, like I always think of like that Anna tweet which is like damn you, you used to look like a greek god and now you look like you listen to podcasts
0: yeah 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 and then, sadly what you actually said was more of like a turkish uh rapist type of thing it was more like you know you could have been a turkish you could have been like a turkish uh, uh gendarme a slinging me over over his over your horse but instead you're like <laughs> you just listen to <laughs> yeah exactly it was the same exact type of nose that was repaired the the one she showed, the one in that tweet. I
1: mean, it's a shame that Warhol couldn't paint that tweet. Warhol could, Warhol,
0: it's, yeah, it really is. It, it Warhol would have had such a great time just painting all of Anna's tweets. Honestly. It would have been great. And uh, it is a shame. It, there's a lot of these shames, you know. There's a lot of these, and we have these, I have this with my friend all the time known in, this, on the, in the FAA universe as Hercule, like these, you know, it's it's time travel type of hypotheticals where like, well, wouldn't, wouldn't have been a shame, wouldn't have been great if so-and-so could have crossed paths with so-and-so and just done so-and-so, you know, like there's all these what-ifs as you look at history, you know. It's too bad so-and-so had was stuck with such-and-such as the subject matter when it could have been us. It could have been us it could have been us mm-hmm. and before i get to my main man there's still a couple more here that i have a memory of dealing with with you norman lewis american totem was something uh, we talked about one. it's a spooky black ghostly on a black canvas there's a there's a totem if you will um of almost ghostly masks in white piled on top of each other and it it definitely evokes a totem amounts to a cake a clansman a very very obviously to me with a hood the final the the object the shape on the very top of the totem is a triangular white triangle that signifies a hood and right below it is the ghostly you know eyes of the of the thing and uh, it's it's in that kind of nightmare before you know, Lynchmas Night Before, nightmare for Lynchmas vibe. What's going on here, Mister Tafoya? <laughs>
1: nightmare for Lynchmas. Um, well, yeah. I mean, it's. Um, I mean, I I think his work is actually really scary. Uh, good old Norman Lewis. Um, 1960. Because like, this is the other. This is the the other half of like abstract expressionism, where like, I you know. I think if you're told that it's a clan hood, you look at it and you think to yourself, it's a clan hood, but I think it does take, I don't know. The component parts of it are a little bit um, confusing at first. Um, There are bits and bobs that kind of add up to a figure, but don't really, um, they look like ghosts kind of, they look almost cartoony in some parts and more menacing in other parts of the canvas. And then you kind of go up and take it all as a whole. And, you know, an American totem, I mean, it does look like a Klansman. Um, he was a Black abstract painter who was really kind of fascinated by, I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Um, like his other work too, because like he would do other, you know, unlike other abstract expressions where like words super colorful his stuff was like almost always against black and like the kind of effect that it has, like, it looks like, like the really dark fucked up sequences from Fantasia where like, you know, it's all blacked out and it's all um, ominous. And you have kind of like weird ghostly figures kind of manifesting on the screen. Um, This is much more centered and we're meant to look in one place and to see a very particular kind of shape. But I mean, like it's pretty, Dark and chilling and spooky, I think.
0: It's very spooky and I totally agree with you. Um It's 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 you're right. I agree with you that it doesn't, you know, the Klansman is me, you know, working my gears a little bit and you know, if if it's not some, it's not obvious in the sense that, oh, this is a uh, this is a depiction of a Klansman. It, it can totally, if you don't know anything about the Ku Klux Klan, this painting will scare you. Nevertheless, it's not something yeah. that you where you need to know about American history or anything, and and therefore totally it is art. Yeah. Therefore, it is art, and it is not, it is not a uh, adject prop, prop. You know, um, and and it's very it's a very Halloweeny. It's very scary, yeah. very scary. I mean, this shit could really haunt you if you really paid attention to it. It's that simple and that scary. Um, and there's also a sense almost to me of, which is very evocative of like images of the uh, Armenian genocide of of uh, skulls piled on top of each other, you know? Yeah,
1: yeah, totally.
0: And especially, yeah, death. I mean,
1: it looks like death.
0: It looks like death. It looks like a death and it looks like it looks like bad death. Not good death, it looks like. No,
1: no. Yeah. It looks like um, but you should look up his other work though, because I mean, like it it is like abstract bodies against like these like really dark landscapes that I mean if you look at them like okay, is it um, a race riot? Is it um you know a murder? Is it people fleeing in desperation? Like what the fuck are we looking at? Um And its I mean, it has that kind of resonance of, um, I don't know, panic, frenzy. I mean, I I love his work.
0: I'll have to check. I'll have to look into it.
1: Yeah, I'll send it to you on Twitter.
0: Yeah, send me. Um, Norman Lewis. And by the way, if you want to, if you don't live in New York or you're not visiting New York and you want to experience this podcast uh, visually, then the thing to do is to go to Whitney.org slash collection and to click the filter. What's the filter to click?
1: Oh, just like do um, on view and has image
0: on view has image filter and it'll give you the it'll it'll give it to you in the same order that we've been going through it. And, you know, you can follow you can find the paintings we're talking the find the works we're talking about. Before we get to the main event of this floor, for me, there's, there is a de Kooning in view. Door to the river. I am not a de Kooning, I'm not really aware of de Kooning stuff. I have never thought about de Kooning. This is, He's again, really abstract hard. expressionism, right? Or is it pure abstract? It um, is a barely feasible door. And no river can be divined visually that I can tell but I can see a roof. I can see it. I can see a house. I can see a door and there's a pink side and there's. A, it is somewhat interesting.
1: I mean, his entire thing though too, was that he was kind of the abstract expressionist who did figuration. Like if you look at like, um, I think it's just called woman. Like it's, it's a figure of a like heavy set demonic looking woman. Interesting.
0: Is that in the Whitney or not?
1: I think it's at MoMA. MoMA.
0: That'll that'll be a different episode. We'll have to we'll have to explore the v, the heavy set figure one day at the MoMA.
1: Yeah, it's it's a real it's a real hoot and a holler. I think every time I
0: go to New York, I should hit a different museum with you. I think that's one of the conclusions from this.
1: Hey, sure, I'm down. Oh, it. Also, I don't say no to a good museum. Um, it looks good. It's it's nice. It's got nice colors. Um, <laughs> sorry, um, I'm kind of fried right now. Uh, yeah, I feel like it's got like that kind of like. I mean, it looks like Ed Clark, right? It has like that kind of gloopy, poopy texture. It has like the kind of broom stroke, brush stroke, where like it's super thin. It runs super thin, but also kind of coagulates in certain parts. It does like a door to a river, I guess, based on that kind of prompting. But the kind of main colors are like this super pink, this nice yellow, this. um, Yeah. I don't really know what to do apart from that. Looks good, though, I guess.
0: And then we come to our main... I don't have any thoughts to offer here. I mean, I just, you know, I'm not... I'm not, it's not smacking me with a, with it, with its, with a particularly uh, singular knuckle. You know, it's what I my
1: mean? favorite to I gotta say.
0: Yeah. And there's just something a little bit inert about it to me. Uh, I'm not, I'm
1: not intrigued.
0: I'm not, I'm not, I'm not yanked
1: in. Um, but I mean, I want to reiterate though, he was, he was himself like, off the charts hot
0: oh really you know i have to look into them i haven't checked them out
1: yeah these very fuckable the very rare elusive art chad
0: there is so okay just because it's an interesting title i would have totally bypassed it otherwise david smith lectern sentinel 1961 this is an interesting title to me lectern sentinel And I'm going to expand it and see that it's almost, it looks like the Walt Disney Concert Hall um, a little bit. It's like a bunch of, it's a painting. Is this a painting? This is a painting, right? This is not a sculpture that's being depicted. This is a gray ass painting that shows like a a bunch of steel. It's a sculpture. Okay. It looks like a painting It's the way the image is appears on my screen i
1: mean but that's a, that's the horror though of like looking at images oh. online versus in person because you know i mean this, this is the worst part you don't get any texture
0: you don't get the texture you don't get the embossment
1: yeah you don't get you don't get to kind of navigate this shit in space
0: but i do remember it now that i've expanded i do remember the sculpture and i do remember that we talked about it because of the little thing hanging on top and and i think you know i wondered what the hell is going on here um
1: Looks like a okay. nice stack of shingles. Nice stack, stack of, shing- of shingles, like a like a soup can balanced up top.
0: And what is he? What is he trying to get us to think about here?
1: I have no idea.
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, you know, um, lectern. Sen- it's such. It's such a. It's such a grandiose title, lectern sentinel. Like. It's almost like he's trying to it's almost like it's a provocation at those who overvalue knowledge or something. I don't know. It's mm. almost like we're all about all knowledge is teetering on collapse. and and all is vanity. all all profession all professing is vanity, ultimately. It's all teetering on collapse. The slightest wind is going to come. The winds of change are going to come and blow your entire construction your entire theory, your entire school down to the ground. That's my guess.
3: I mean, that's a good guess.
1: Guess as good as mine. (laughs) Well, now we come to Edward. (laughs) What's that? I don't have a guess. Yeah,
0: that's just the best I can do.
1: No, I'm, I'm impressed.
0: Edward Hopper, my man. A main man, a woman in the sun, his wife nineteen sixty one a late hopper we've got here, a late hopper, and there are other hoppers coming um, and this is a classic Cla- and, and this we the one thing we remarked here is how old his wife is when he when she used him as a model and how young she ma- he makes her look and how perky he presents her breasts to be and she is naked mm-hmm. she's like 78 in this but she looks like a she looks 40 and she is standing in the in on in a, in a very sparse bedroom with some hills outside in the view and and she's standing in the sunlit door shadow doorway shadow basically which is sunlit and Edward Hopper is an expert at the sunlit at the sunlit doorway shadow um and there is even a hopperian homage i believe in the final shot of the movie blonde by andrew dominic which just came out this week um and it's evocative of his doorway shadows up against a bed sunlit what do we have to say about this one
3: um
0: she's holding a cigarette of course naked standing
1: she is holding a cigarette i was looking at the light source and was kind of confused about the light source but i just realized like at the far right end of the canvas there's a little bit of yellow which i think is meant to be a curtain and it's the sun shining directly onto onto her um but yeah no i mean it's a wonderful painting i mean i think it's totally how he wants to see her it's a total idealism ideal of his wife right um she hasn't aged I mean, in his mind like past his... forty. She's yeah, still forty I mean, in his mind. She's still forty in his mind. She's still very fuckable. She's got nice tits. Um Yeah, I think like this is probably actually one of his like nicest paintings. I mean just in terms of like themes, like there's like no crushing isolation here. It's just kind of warmth. Just warmth.
0: Yeah, the his typical isolation is not pronounced here. It's more like she's in Santa Fe, or not Santa Fe, whatever. And on vac- you know, just having some alone time and enjoying it. Cuz that's why that cigarettes there. It's not a cigarette of desperation.
1: No, it's a cigarette of uh, leisure.
0: Curiously she's the got
1: a cigarette.
0: Yeah, Curiously, there are no clothes in view except there are two black high heels right beside her bed. Mm. Almost as if you would put those high heels on her in her naked condition and imagine her standing in them lasciviously. Sure. Why wouldn't she? I mean, the
1: Whitney has a very insane thing with Joe Hopper, which is that when she donated... Um, a large number of his estate to the Whitney Museum. She also gave her paintings as well, and the Whitney destroyed her her paintings.
0: Very interesting. Why did it? She did it did by accident, or
1: I think it was on purpose. But they never gave a reason. What? I know it's a, it's a very weird missing link but there's almost no work that survives by joe hopper there's some but not 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 much
0: that's pretty wild yeah um it, and it, you like, did you like
1: did you like her work you can't i mean i can't tell if i like her work because there's so yeah. little of it oh we don't we don't
0: see it. oh yeah oh wow that's
1: crazy it's just wild the, the like i don't know i, I, I Listen, I'm I'm not the most like institutional y kind of person, but like it is a bit wild where it's like we're gonna showcase her perky tits and then also just like fully destroy everything she ever did.
0: It's, you know, it's almost like it's a two on the nose opportunity for feminist protest, right?
1: Well, but I mean, kind of merits it.
0: Oh no, I know that's what I mean. It's like it merits it to such a over the top appropriate over-the-top degree that it's almost like it's crazy
1: yeah it's really. i I don't there has to be there has
0: to be an explanation for how they fucking destroyed all her work though that's that like how does a museum do that and retain its reputation
1: well i just don't think that people were thinking very much about josephine hopper at the time (laughs) you know she was kind of just the the little wife to to this guy
0: On that note, we can move to the next page. And there's George O'Keefe again with "It Was Blue and Green."
1: Do you uh, see um, what's it called uh, "Swarble," the Edward Hopper? Sw.
0: Hold on, I'm looking for Edward Hopper's here. Seven a.m. I see seven no, a.m.
1: Swarble. This is the one that you were like so taken aback by.
0: Um. No, let me, we must, again, we're on different, there's a difference going on between us, but let me let me just type it in manually because now I see also the ones that you saw earlier and I didn't see earlier. I'm on floor seven. So I'm just going to put Edward Hopper, see what happens. Uh, we've got, okay, here we go. So I got all the Hoppers here and we've got, swab. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you remembered correctly that I was um because this ha- this brings to mind you know, this has Toulouse-Lautrec vibes. Totally. Uh, and this and is
1: noir 19- vibes too.
0: Noir vibes and Silent Renoir, Movie. Renoir, right? Renoir, sorry. Renoir vibes. Uh Silent Movie, very strange, 1914, an early one. And it is a, I would describe it. I mean, paint the picture for us. It's a, it's a wide painting. It's a wide screen.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, it, I think it reminds me of Renoir because it's like one of those kind of dining cafe, you know, plein air paintings where it's lots of people. But in this case though, um, the people that we have, most of them have their backs turned to us except for, um, three characters we have one guy who's kind of crossing his arms and smoking a cigarette we have what looks like a waitress with very very heavily applied makeup Um, and then we have as the kind of central figure this nonchalant eyes cast downward clown he's dressed in the piero style so like piero the old harlequin clown um, with the makeup he has a cigarette between his lips and yeah he it's just very, very striking because, like, you do see like it's such a crazy. Um, it's a modern painting, you know, but but it also has like such a. Um, it has a quality that kind of throws it back in a very, very intense way to all the things you just said, right? To like to lose the track. I mean, the paper lanterns overhead seems so modern. I don't know. It's a great painting. It's very bizarre. Like, why is this clown just mysteriously here amid like. Very serious
0: meeting that he's having. Smoking a cigarette in his red lips, white white frock. That white, uh, the whiteness of the outfit, the whiteness of his head, painted. It's you know he looks like a he looks like the top of a frozen yogurt cone. You know it's like, um, it's and yet he's it's it's evident that he's having a serious. He's having a he's like a it's a serious situation going on. Like this is like between acts. He's having his cigarette and talking business with these two guys who look, you know, they look very like one of them has, has a sinister fedora cat, cat The other one has a military type of outfit could be, they could have both, they could all all be part of like, they could be all, all three of them could be performers, just like the woman standing above them looking at the woman herself is, a, is a mystery. Uh, you know, every character here is a mystery because you've got the gut character on the left sort of facing us, doesn't seem to have another companion at his table because we see an empty chair um, barely and he himself, you know he's got a cigarette and he's like there's a certain, he looks like a crook or something just a way just his physiognomy there's just so many mysteries going on here and the blue in the title comes from the backdrop which is of, of, of the sky and the hills that are painted blue basically and and what, you know, what um what swirl of emotion Edward Hopper is moved by to paint this is a very interesting riddle to figure out. I'm sure he is. I mean,
1: my my theory though is like this is a self-portrait in a way, because the last painting he ever painted, which is one of my favorites by Edward Hopper, is I think it's called Two Performers. But it's him and his wife, Joe, dressed as harlequins, taking a bow. So I think that this might be him again in a funny way.
3: The business of art. The business I mean, of art. The yeah. The
1: magic, even
0: the magic,
3: I mean, it's, the business. Very the sp-
1: whimsical, though, too.
0: There's whimsy. There, there is magic. There is obvious fantasy. Uh, he is, he is over. This is, this is more overtly a artwork. A, 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 a. It's more. It's closer to a cartoon than anything else he has ever painted, including Nighthawks at the Diner. There is a fantas fantastic nature to this painting that really sticks out from his work.
3: Um.
0: It, you know, that the throwback nature gives it away. It's like the, the it's not, it, that's what threw me, that's what threw me for a loop because I don't remember ever having ever seen this. Maybe I had seen it, but I simply didn't slot it as a hopper in my mind because it's so different. And it does feel like he's capturing the essential archetypal phases or, or care, you know, the care, the, the kind of like the, the, the pillars of what he's all about and the embroidery, the fancy, the, the, the illustriousness of the characters combined with the sort of solemn interior. They're all kind of lost as usual with Hopper. They, everyone in there is, is in their own world. The guy on the left is alone. As I said, with no companion, he's, he looks he looks like he's looking inside more than he's looking out at anything the woman the woman looks like she's looking down at the clown, the woman who's highly clownified herself, but she also seems to be posing more than anything. She seems to be the subject if he's hopper, if the clown is hopper, she seems to be like she's waiting to be painted in the meantime she's she's just standing there and retaining her composure.
1: I mean, she's as made up as the clown is, you know. It's got crazy this woman has very crazily applied, very heavy like eye Heavy rouge. rouge.
0: Heavy rouge. And also lots of white paint beneath it. Mm. But she has yeah, but it looks like she's waiting her turn for some sort of performance too. you know. um, She's not a whore, as I can tell. She could be pat
1: She's got a a nice carriage, right? She's got a nice bust.
0: She's got a nice but She could be a whore, but I don't think she is a whore is the point. Like she could easily be thought, you could think of her as a whore, but she's not a whore somehow. Maybe it's the Ayn Randian haircut that removes her from whoreness in my mind. Too much pride in that carriage, it seems to be a whore. And I don't know who the, you know, the people with their backs to us, there's a woman with her back to us and there's two men but the but it's clear from the body the body language of the clown that everyone here is cuz the woman has her back to us but the man she's dining with on the right all the way to the right he he's turned away from her he's turned away from her and looking at nothing in particular he's not looking at the woman standing up he's just looking away something like he, i don't he may be looking at the man uh behind the pillar He could, they could be looking at each other. In fact, now that I look at it, that both of their heads are identically shaped toward each other. Am I correct?
1: Um, both of the heads are looking the same way. You see the guy with the hat,
0: the guy with the hat behind the pillar and the guy all the way on the right seem to be facing each other. Possibly. I
1: just think it's I just think it's a bunch of, you know, gazes that aren't really going anywhere. No one's really making eye contact there's not really a gaze that's being exchanged with anybody. They're all lost
0: in their own world.
1: Yeah. I think that's, yeah.
0: That's really most of what the creative process is though.
1: I think so. Yeah. It's just
0: being lost into, lost in your own world until you find an opening.
1: Or, I mean, being strategic about how you reveal your internal world and hopefully, you know, give a certain amount of, uh, Extending enough, uh, extending enough of a hand that you can invite someone in to explore around for themselves.
0: Have you been strategic in that manner so far in your life, Harry?
1: I mean, it's uh, I've, I've done my best. I try, you know. I want to be someone who's engaging and open, and you know, inspires a certain reaction. Maybe.
0: Do you find it? difficult to enact these strategies or do you find it like once you kind of get that you once you kind of find a technique to open up or to engage it becomes second nature to you from that point on after a little bit of practice
1: i i'm not satisfied but i don't think it's ever a very satisfying thing like you know I'm a writer. I I can't do what Hopper is doing here. Hopper is, um, you know, because writing, you have to make sense. The words have to make sense. They have to be grammatically coherent. They have to, you know, there's technical coherence that needs to be kind of put in place. But here you have a scene that um, is completely wordless, is completely visual, but still manages to speak so much and with such like richness and dimension and like multiple ways of interpretation that you know you could look at this ten thousand different ways. You could look at it as a scene from a distant past, from the present, from some kind of dreamscape. And you know, you could only kind of aspire to that really if you want to I don't know and touch somewhat a certain way.
3: A very striking painting especially if you know who
0: Hopper is. Um, Oh. I just, and, and he's got some other stuff. He's got some other stuff where, and I was telling, and I was mentioning to you, I believe he's got, so he's got here in the, in the Whitney, you will find some three sketches and then you will find 7am edward hopper 7 a.m. we talked about this one and you talked about it as a kind of you know loneliness of capitalism sort of thing um and elaborate on that because we talked because it's a this is a 7 a.m 1948 this is a storefront it looks like it might be um a chemist shop or something cuz it's so barren inside it's barren there's a few bottles in the display window a few nondescript could be perrier bottles you know or could be ointments there's a few little there's a there's two little advertisements in the window one of them depicting a man with like a, a saxophone in his hand the other one is an indecipherable inside the cupboard the, the the shelves are empty the cupboards are empty there's a clock. There's a cash register. Nobody else. There's no, can't see anything else inside except that the shelves are empty. And outside, there is a you know beautiful kind of foresty type of trees. Um, it looks very nice. This has a somewhat New England cottage type of vibe to me. You had something to say about this painting.
1: Um, opposite of what we just
0: saw in the sense that there's no human being evident in it
1: yeah and I think maybe the other two paintings are kind of um, outliers for what I think of when I think of Hopper which is you know Hopper is somebody who um, I think he's a realist and I think he's like one of the best realists ever because um, he sees where the hard facts of an image give way to very very indescribable things um and i don't know when he paints scenes like this when he paints scenes like Nighthawks, when he paints scenes like the movie theater or um three windows you just get a sense of um how lonely everything is maybe i don't really i'm not sure if I think of this being the most lonely uh, I, i'm not sure if this is the kind of the best example of a, a lonely painting but um you know we could look at it for what it doesn't have which is there's no people in it really it's um it's just kind of there you know um I think the woods look really lovely i, th- I think the woods kind of I almost kind of wonder if like those two things kind of go with each other, right? Where it's like this completely sanitized storefront against these dark, deep, lovely woods, that kind of contrast right there between the kind of verdancy of the green versus the kind of sterility of the white.
0: You know, another thing that I've noticed here, which is also, also resonates to that parallel painting that I talked about, in the uh, lost footage, there's that parallel painting whose name I can't remember, which is a storefront in the seemingly in Chicago, in um, at night, and it's lit up and it has a very Christmassy vibe and it it has a very pro-capitalist vibe to me, and it's it's like you know in the in it's like this shining, it's it's like this this it's, it brings comfort similar to. The title of I'm sorry I, I fucked up with the uh, Hemingway comparison. It wasn't the killers I think so much that is is the Nighthawks painting. It was his story, a clean, well lit place, and that was very much the the, ener- the energy conveyed. I th- I think in this other painting, Hopper painting, I'm thinking of which I just won't be able to think of the name. Um the night, you know, an empty store at night, but as I recall, there were items being displayed and they were hap- they have a, they gave off a Christmassy, they were in Christmas colors, they seemed like they were toys or baubles or something, and it seemed like this is a place that 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 offers solace and is a haven and is a human sort of a human monument.
1: And but, yes. Well, I mean, I guess I don't, I don't think of, um, I don't know, because I think that people, when they look at Hopper and they want to talk about things like capitalism, I think, I think that's my vulgarity, like people, but but I I think, I think it's a more widespread one than just that, because I think that what happens usually is that they kind of describe them as being Anti-capitalist or something, right? That like they're depicting like the inherent deep loneliness. Always, um, but when I, I I think of these almost more so as being like the facts of capitalism and what it does to people and how people, um, you know, I think people under capitalism um, could be quite lonely. You know, um, it it could be very difficult to form a connection um and i think from what you were just describing then like um you know there's also this thing of things um having more importance than people right of like you know you can curate a very beautiful storefront you can do some very lovely um i don't know uh some very lovely like kind of like set decoration or you could do like a nice um movie or something but you know your eyes are kind of focused um at the perfection but kind of unable to kind of meet the gaze with like one's fellow man or to like map onto what they're thinking or something and i don't know you just see so many instances of people not being able to connect of people lost in their thoughts of um an interiority that can't get expressed because it doesn't have a place i don't know to
0: it doesn't it's have blue. a stage. It doesn't have a stage, almost in the sense that everyone in that earlier painting, the blue paint, le soir blue, has a stage. They're so yeah. they're so dressed up in a way that's so comforting because you know they have a stage. You know there is a place where they 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 are able to perform themselves.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: And another thing in this painting that one, one could notice in 7 a.m. is that is is the stark contrast between nature and civilization. I mean, this is almost fifty-fifty, except that civilization is winning. It's more like 60-40. The store is more like 60% of the canvas, and the dark the dark woods, in a sense, are the other 40%, and the dark the woods are dark and green, and the the store is white as could be, empty as it is. has something bottles in the thing. And this is a contrast between, you know, this is our footprint, lonely as it is. This is our footprint. This is our home on the right, even though it's a store that has nothing inside of it and nobody's there.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's tremendously. I mean, you know, I'm bringing the humanity to this because this is so, so totally a study of a thing right? It's a, it's a universe of things versus trees, which are things as well. But um, what a bummer, <laughs> what a bummer it is.
0: It is a bummer. It's, it's a New England bummer in this particular incarnation, I believe. Yeah. But it's a, it, you know, it's also clean and it's also well lit. It's, it would be a greater bummer if it looked like so many such storefronts in the, uh, you know, Appalachians or in the Midwest look now, which are, you know, piles of rubble or shabby, shitty graffitied rundown fronts for something else that are barely, you know, it's like, it's a, it's a, it's a very clean place.
3: Oh,
1: nonetheless. Totally. Well, I mean, I was just thinking now looking at the Swarple painting, like, um, you know the clown character reminds me of. Have you ever listened to Burial?
0: Uh, not a familiar with the name.
1: He's um, a really wonderful musician, but his entire body of work—I mean, he's compared to Edward Hopper, but like for for electronic music. Um, but he has a character on his album, Untrue which basically looks exactly like this clown. And I mean, his album, that album's almost entirely about um, being lonely in a kind of hollowed out capitalist London, basically. So I don't know. I I think it's funny that you kind of, I don't know. I feel a kind of synchronicity between these images, funnily enough, of people being lost or marooned or... Unable to meet the eye and looking downward and smoking a cigarette because it's the, uh, it's the thing to do.
0: They're they're in a sense they're in a sen- in a sense of being trapped in, trapped in their own masquerade,
3: Trapping
1: their own interiority, their own interiority, they're and, they're a and they're out.
0: Yeah, it's it's a, um, you know, or they're just tired. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Sometimes you're
0: just fucking tired, you know? You need you need to sleep. (laughs) You just need to fucking sleep. Deeply, deep, deep, deep. You need to have some nightmares. And so that you have those nightmares and you're grateful to wake up again. And you're not so fucking glummy to put on that makeup and go out there and put on a show and make people laugh.
2: The streets of Rome Are filled with rubble Ancient for It's your